0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you for these stories of the Old Testament Christ that, that really show us how people lived in faith, how they struggled with faith and how they grappled with life. And today as we finish up this story around Gideon, this mighty warrior, this unlikely hero. I pray that you will continue to stir in our hearts that which you're trying to teach us today. Reveal to us through your word, Jesus. Remove me, Lord, but yet use me for your glory today. And I just pray, Christ, that you'll be lifted up and glorified. And we ask this in your holy name. Amen. So we're finishing up Gideon today. and So I've had a bit of a cough this week, so you just have to bear with me we finished finishing up Gideon today, and we're coming to the place of the battle. Last week, we, we came to the place where the Mennonites had come, and they had camped, and they were there, and we were facing the battle, if you remember that. And Gideon had to understand the source of the battle, which wasn't those, those people. We began to realize that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against those principalities, those darknesses of this world. But he also had to realize his strength in the battle as well, which is Jesus, this knowing from God, knowing God. And today, as we move into the battle, I want us to realize that God has a plan. Do you believe that God has a plan for exactly what you're going through right now? Whatever it is, if you stop and you looked at life and you could see a battleground in front of you, if you feel like you're right in the middle of a battle, do you really believe that God has a plan? I do. And we're going to see in this story today what God's plan was for the Israelites using Gideon and how. We can apply that into our life. Now the, the first thing we see is in verse 34, it talks about the presence of God comes upon Gideon. There is transformation in God's plan. I mean, here is Gideon, and Gideon is is the lowest of lowest, right? He's in the lowest tribe, he's the lowest of the of the ones in the tribe. He would have been someone who would have been weak, inexperienced at battle, would have had no experience whatsoever at battle, and would have been very uncertain. We could say this is probably true of Gideon. Might be true of our life as well. But yet God looked at him and said, you are a mighty warrior. God said, you are my plan, Gideon. Now put yourself in that place. I'm God's plan? Absolutely. There are things in life that God looks at and and God, God, beloved, doesn't need us. But God looks and he says, hey, I want to use you. My child, the one I've equipped to be a mighty warrior, you're part of the plan. And why do I say this transformation? Because when you look at Gideon in this moment, <clears throat> as I said, he's one who certainly would have been weak and uncertain and was inexperienced in the idea of battle. But what does he do when the presence of God comes upon him? What does verse thirty-four say he does? He blows a trumpet. He blows a trumpet. Now, this trumpet wasn't a trumpet of, hey, everyone, let's run and hide. Let's go to the caves. Let's get back in the, in the wine press. No, this was the battle cry. This was the trumpet of war, that we are now going to go to war. Inexperienced, uncertain, and weak. But he displays courage. He displays courage in his life. To to blow that trumpet, to say, it is time for us to go to battle. Seven years, he had never blown the horn. Seven years, they had come in, and they would taken over, and they would taken everything from him, and Gideon had never blown the trumpet. But this year, it's different. It's different, because the presence of God is upon him. But also, we not only see that he displays courage, there's this transformation in his life, and he begins to display courage, but he begins to display leadership. Where do you see that Brent? Because I find it interesting the next thing that happens after he blows the trumpet is that his whole tribe, his family, they come and get behind him. Now I don't know about you, but how hard is it to get family to go along with something that you want to do that might seem a bit crazy? Impossible. They're the first ones to go, man, you are crazy. I'm not going with you there but all of the all of his tribe it says comes and gets behind him why do i say this is leadership because beloved i don't care what title you have i don't care how much training you've had as a leader i don't care what you call yourself if you can look behind you and there's no one following you you're not a leader but i don't care if you've had no training and no experience if you step up and take initiative if you look behind you and there are people going with you you're a leader Because true leaders are people who have those following, following with them. Gideon displays leadership because the minute he blows that trumpet, the minute he has courage, here comes his tribe. I don't know what it is, Gideon, about you, but we're going to go with you. I know this is the craziest thing in the world, but we're going to go with you. We don't know how to fight, but for some reason what you're saying We're going to go with you. He displays leadership. Not only is there this place of displaying leadership, but he also displays wisdom. Because the next thing it says in verse 34 is that he sends out messages to these different tribes. And if you look, these tribes are tribes that are close to where the enemy has camped. Because he's basically saying, look, they're coming for us and you're going to be the first ones in line. So you might as well come gather with us. You might as well come gather with us so that we can fight together. There's wisdom. There's wisdom. Gideon, this weak, uncertain, inexperienced individual, displays courage, leadership, wisdom. Why? Why does he do that? Because the presence of the Lord is upon him. He's transformed by the presence of God. Beloved, I want you to understand today that you, just like Gideon, can be transformed by the presence of God. Whatever battle you're facing, whatever it is in life that you're going, I don't know how to do this. I don't know if I can even get through this. You can have courage. You can have leadership. You can have wisdom. You can have much more. If you just... Allow the presence of God. Ephesians 6.10, as Paul has this this, um, part in Ephesians about the battle, but in Ephesians 6.10, it says this. Finally, be strong how? And in what? Be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. We can't do it. Whatever you're facing in life right now, you cannot face it. You can't. But he can and he will come upon you and he will give you what you need to encounter whatever struggle whatever battle whatever depression whatever heartache whatever anger whatever bitterness whatever it is that's raging within you if you will be in the Lord find your strength in the Lord in his mighty power if you need a job man go to God rest in him you need, a, you need a relationship mended, healed. Get in the Lord. Let the strength of the Lord lead you, give you wisdom, give you courage. Whatever it is in your life. Well, Brent, that's great. I mean, the Lord came upon Gideon, and that's fantastic, but, but he didn't come upon me. Uh uh-uh. uh. Are you a Christian? Have you called Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you received Him? As your Lord and Savior, then beloved, there's a promise to our life. There's a promise to our life. Jesus says He's meeting with his disciples and he's, as he's about to leave and go into glory. He says, "I want you to go and wait and, and, and wait for the helper. It's good for me to go, because if I go, the Father will send the helper." And then in Acts 1, eight, this is what it says in Acts chapter one, verse eight. "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Flip it up there for the mate so they can see it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the, ends of the other ends of the earth. Now, he's talking to his disciples, but beloved, we are disciples of Christ, are we not? And when we accept Christ our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within us. And that Holy Spirit is the, is the presence and the power of God. When it said God came upon Gideon, it was the Holy Spirit. Same spirit there, same spirit we're talking about here. And if you have faith in Christ, Jesus says you will have a power. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, upon you, you will be my witnesses. You have this transforming power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Come on, man. That's good. Wow, the frowns. Get happy. This is the transforming power of God Almighty, who took weak, uncertain, inexperienced Gideon and made him a mighty warrior, and he dwells within you. And when you look through the New Testament and you look at the the passage around the Holy Spirit, man, we need to do a study on this probably, but you, you look and you see that he gives us gifts, he empowers us with gifts. He, he comes and he bears the fruit of Christ within us. this love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. You need those kind of things in life. You have them through the Holy Spirit. You need discernment. You need wisdom. You need guidance. You have it through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have it. So today, I want you to really understand that you are being transformed by the very presence of God within you. This is part of God's plan. This is part of how God brings the transformation into humanity. is through changing us one by one through the power of the Holy Spirit and faith. We begin to see our lives differently and we begin to be different. And people look at us and they say, man, I, just like they did Gideon, I don't know what it is about you, but I believe in what you're putting out there. I'm going to follow what you're saying. And this Jesus must be the real deal. Because if he takes someone like you and can make you do those kind of things, Man, that's awesome. If they can take a group of kids and put prayer into their heart, and they create a camp and 15 people come to faith, that's pretty awesome. Imagine what he does through us when we just let him, when we just get out of the way. Church, just get with me and listen. Imagine what every Sunday would be like if we'd get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit have his way. I mean, Really? Imagine what what everyday life, is. we woke up every morning, if we just said, Lord, let your spirit lead me today, and we just got out of the way and let him do what he wanted to do through our life. Imagine the difference. You would see an army of mighty warriors moving across the north, and you'd see victory after victory for the glory of the king. This is real, and it's real stuff. And, you know, when Paul talks in Ephesians, this isn't up there, but just stay with me. When Paul talks in Ephesians about don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, he's not picking on people who drink. He's saying if there's anything that controls your life, you need to stop letting you control your life and let the Holy Spirit control your life. And I don't know what it is that you allow to influence what you do every day, what thoughts, what what TV show, what habit, whatever it is. But beloved, until you get that out of the way and let God come upon you through the power of the Spirit, you're not going to see the fullness of what God can do in your life. And we're not going to see as a church the fullness of what God can do here if we don't get out of the way and just let Him be God and let Him do what He wants to do. Amen? he wants to i want him to and i'm sure you do as well the first part of god's plan for this battle was transformation of his mighty warrior into the mighty warrior that he needed to be and when he came upon gideon gideon was different the world should see us as different we're just different when, when when God talks about not conforming to the world in Romans but being transformed, we're different. Not conforming means we're different. We look, act, and we're different. And if the Western Church doesn't become different, why does the world want what we have if we act and look the same as what everyone else out there is doing? It's not. We've got to unleash the presence of God within our life, guys. We've got to. We've got to let the transformation of what Christ come to do for us really take root in our heart and let him begin to change us. and Let the church be what it's supposed to be. This light, this beacon of his glory, of his hope, radiating throughout the community around us. Being this catalyst, this catalyst of God. I love the word catalyst, man. Because it's a chemical um, imbalance that comes together, a reaction, a chemical reaction. But when you look at one definition that stuck out to me is it, it creates change without being changed. Whatever the catalyst is, whatever the agent is that you put in, it causes this chemical reaction, but it itself does not get changed. It changes everything else around it. Man, that to me is a church. that a preach, man. Are you with me? Because when we go out in the changedness that we are, when we've been transformed by the glory of God through the power of Christ, and we go out in the world with that love, with that kindness, with that truth, we don't get changed, we don't conform to the world, but the world is changed through us by God. We become a true catalyst. And that's this transforming power. If Gideon hadn't just allowed the Holy Spirit to come upon him and use him, he wouldn't have been courageous, he wouldn't have been the leader, he wouldn't have had the wisdom to move on. And be used. So, whatever's keeping you from God using you to the fullest, can I encourage you? Just remove it, man. And if there's not anything, you are experiencing that hallelujah. Talk about it, share it, let people see it, and testify to what God's doing in your life. Because it's good, and some of you are. I hear the stories, and it's fantastic. Anyway, I better keep going. That was all free of charge. I don't know where that came from. So the second thing that we see is, first of all, this transformation takes place. This transformation in God's plan. But then there has to be trust of God's plan. Because the next thing you see in this in this story is that Gideon comes and he, he puts out these fleece. He, he's there and he says, okay. He blows a trumpet, he rallies these troops. There's about 32,000 to come along, and there he looks at him. he says, All right, oh no. God, are you sure? <laughs> let, me, let me get away from them for a minute, God. Are you really sure you want me to, that you're going to use me to do this? You ever been there, man? where where God has given you this great task and you're like, okay, let's do it. But then when you get right to the moment of doing it, you're like, oh my goodness, I don't think I can do this. And you begin to say, God, is it really supposed to be me to do this? And and, and Gideon struggles with his his sense of inadequacy, his, his sense of, I don't have any experience, God. I don't know what I'm doing. How can I do this? And the amount of times, and hear me, the amount of times that I've had, had you come and say, "Ah," oh, and I'd say, oh, look, man, I see God could use you in this. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Ah, oh, you, you must have me mistaken for someone else, friend. That's not something that I can do. Now, Gideon gets a bad rap in this place because he actually throws out the fleece twice. He needs to trust the plan of God. But for him to trust the plan of God, he has to have a little bit of a, a testing in it. And I don't want to throw anything at him and say, oh, how horrible, because the reality is, every one of us struggles to really embrace God's plan, because often it's using us in ways that we don't think is possible, or we don't want to do, one of the two. So he throws out this fleece, and he says to God, hey, just, just let it get wet, and the, dry, and the ground stay dry, Okay? Hey, that was great, God, but let's, let's do this one more time because I'm not sure that that really happened that way. This time I want the grass to be wet and I want you to keep the fleece dry. That'd be a little harder to do. God does it. And, and this is the part of the story I want you to really embrace. So he needs to trust God's plan, but he's struggling to trust God's plan. Have you ever struggled to trust God's plan for your life? Have you ever went to God like Gideon and said, I just need you to show me? I have. And the beauty of God is, God doesn't look and says, "Oh, Gideon, you're so ridiculous." Uh, if it were me with my kids, man, and my kid coming, I'd say, "Oh, I need you to go do this." I said, "Dad, I can't do that." Yes, you can. And they said, "Well, you got to show me here. Just do this." Yeah, okay, Dad, but you got to show me again. No, I'm not showing you again. Go do it. That's what I'd be like, you know. But uh-uh. God meets Gideon, and I want you to see this picture of our God, man. He's so wonderful. He meets Gideon right there in that place of insecurity, uncertainty, doubt. He says, is this this what you need? I can do that. Yeah, great, God, thanks, Um, but can you do it Yeah, I can do it for you again, Gideon. Because he loves you so much, and he'll meet you right where you are to give you whatever it is you need so that you'll believe and trust the plan that God has for your life. The purpose that he has for you in the right now moment. Whatever battle you're facing, whatever insecurity, doubt, anxiety, stress, whatever it is, God says, I can meet you right there, and I can love on you in a way that's going to show you that I am who I say I am, and I can do what I said I can do. So the second thing is that there's this trust of God's plan, and this is the first part of that. So Gideon has this little testing of God, and God is patient with him. Now, okay, great, yes. It would have been wonderful if Gideon would have said, absolutely, God, let's go do this. I mean, that would have been an amazing display of faith. And we do see that. And our, our heart and our goal would certainly be to, to be in this place like Abraham, you know, who he had a son, Isaac, who was promised of God. And God said, I'm going to make you a, you know, a nation of nations. And you're going to bless, I'm going to bless you. And you're going to bless all nations. And you're, you're, your people are going to be, you know, scattered as many as the stars and the sand on the seashore. And Isaac is the way that's going to happen. God gave him that promised son. And then God comes and says, I need you to give me your son. I need you to take him and sacrifice him. Horrible thought. Murder in itself. Sacrifice of a human being. That's totally outside the character of who God is. But God knew the voice, I mean, Abraham knew the voice of God. And he got the wood, he got the fire, he got the knife. He got his servants, and he started up the mountain, and he said to his servants, you stay right here, and I'm going to take my son up, and we're going to go up, we're going to worship, and I love this, don't miss it, man, words important, and we're going to come back. How's that going to happen, Abraham. Because he believed his God, and he knew that if God said this is the promised son, that no matter what he did up there on the mountain, God would resurrect him dead. That's what Hebrews says. He believed that he would bring him back to life if he had to. But he was the promised son, and God was faithful, and he trusted him. Now you know the story. If you don't, let me tell you. Because God, that's not the kind of God he is. God was testing Abraham to make sure he would give him everything, even the promise that God had given him, hold on to that, beloved. He said, look, I promise you this, are you going to let me have it? And Abraham did, but God had a ram stuck there in in the thicket so that he could take and sacrifice the ram. God might ask you to give what he's promised you, a gifting, a calling, a ministry. He might ask you to give it to him just to see if you'd love him above that which you do, just like he did Abraham. We all want to have that kind of faith, don't we? But we don't always have that kind of faith. We're often like Gideon. And it's important to see that God meets us just like he did Gideon. So we gotta trust the plan of God, but that was the first aspect of trusting God. But the next part of the story we see in chapter seven, verses one to three, and I wanna read this to you because we didn't read it, we couldn't read it all, Peter would've been standing there a while reading everything. But starting in chapter seven, verses one to three, early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained we got to trust the plan of God. And here is God's next aspect of his plan. He says in verse 2, Gideon, I can't let you take those men into battle. There's too many. They got like 150,000, God. We got 32,000. I think they got a lot more than we do. What do you mean we got too many? I mean, this doesn't make sense, does it? He's like, what are you talking about? He says, now, if I let you go into battle, even with that. Now, they couldn't have won the battle without God, even with 32,000. But in our human mind, and no, no, better yet, in our human arrogance, we like to think that we're good and that we can do things that we really can't do. And God knows the heart of man. He said, now, if I let you go into battle with 32,000, you'll come out and you'll say, we did it. We didn't even need you, God. We did it ourselves even though you couldn't have done it yourself. But that's what you would think. And often in life, we like to take credit for things that there is no way possible we can do. So God says, look, I need you to trust me. I need you to let, first of all, all those who are scared go home. Okay, I'll do that. One, two, three, 10, 20, 22,000 leave. Leave. Of the 32,000. Okay. This is going to be hard, but we can do it with 10,000. No, no, that's not enough, Gideon. I need you to take them down to the water, and I need you to let them drink. And those who drink by lapping like dogs, I want you to keep them. And those who kneel down and drink, you can let them go home. Okay, okay. 900, 9,700 go home. Now there are 300 people. Well over 100,000 to fight. 120, 150,000. Do you trust God? I love this. We never talk about this beginning. We, we pick on him because he throws the fleece out, but not once does he in this moment say, "God, you are crazy. I can't do that." He's, he's ready. Probably a little more nervous and a little apprehensive than before? Absolutely. But he's ready. And I guess I wanna ask you this morning, when you look at what you're facing, does it look impossible? Because God wants it to. He expects it to. Because if it isn't impossible, then we don't trust and depend on him. We depend on our own strength. And the battle is the Lord's. And it's his strength that we move in. I love man, and I get asked this question, I got asked this question not long ago. Um, uh, where did God come from? You like that question? Um, and then they ask me all these other kind of questions. And I love just being able to say, I don't know, because I'm not God. I can't answer all. I mean, I can give you all my thoughts around it. But at the end of the day, I don't know all these things. And that's the way it's supposed to be, because if I can figure God out, I don't need God. If there's not some mystery of who God is. He's not really God. If he's not above my brainwaves, it's pretty bad because most people are, then I don't need him. So if what you're looking at doesn't seem impossible, it's probably not God's plan. I'm just being honest with you. You've probably chosen a different path than God's because it's only when we look ahead of us and say I can't do that I can't lead that I can't be in that I'm not gifted for that there's no way I could do that it's only in those moments that God says I'm glad you realize that but I can now take what I've given you your 300 men and go fight because I've got this do you trust me? and I guess you need to ask yourself today do you really trust God's plan? do you? If there's transformation in your life, you're allowing the presence of God to come upon you and begin to change you into the things that he has for you. Then you have to begin to trust God's plan. And it always, always looks impossible. The final thing I want you to see is the triumph of God's plan. I I love this man. I I just I love God, man. He's so good to us. God knew that Gideon was probably a little stressed. And when you look down in verses 15 through to or maybe, is it 15? 9 to 15, thank you. During that night, so same night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give into your hands, I'm going to give them into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward you will be what? To do what? Okay, Gideon, I know me dwindling it down to 300 makes you go, oh. I understand that, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your servant, and I know you probably don't want to go down there by yourself. You probably don't want to go down there, but I want you to take your servant, and I want you to just go listen. So he goes down, takes a servant with him, and he listens. And look at what is said. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley. Thick as locusts. Man, they were everywhere. Their camels could no more be counted than the sands of the seashore. There were lots of them. Okay, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His, fan, his friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Come on, man. God is saying to Gideon, look, I'm going to deliver these people to your hands. You are going to be victorious. Are you really going to use me, God? I'm telling you I'm going to use you. Matter of fact, if you don't believe me, come with me. Listen to your enemy. Tremble in fear at your hand because of me. You see this? And if you just put it in the practical sense, okay? How many camels were there? More than you could see. They were like locusts scattered across, right? The people and everything, right? Thousands, hundreds of thousands, 120, 30, 40,000 people. Who knows how many camels and stuff they had? How did Gideon, come on, just be real and practical. How did Gideon wind up at the right place? at the right time to hear this guy tell you. It's not like this guy went around the whole camp all night long just saying, oh, I had a dream, I had a dream, I had a dream, I had a dream. He was sharing this in one conversation with a friend. But getting happened to be there at the right moment, in the right place, to hear him share that dream. You tell me God is an awesome man. He wants to give you what you need. He wants to give you the strength to go and be what he's called you to be come with me, I, I'm going to let you listen to something, and then you're going to have the courage to attack. God knows what we need. God knows what we need. And we're always talking about these kids were praying, and beloved, there is nothing more powerful in our life than prayer. I was talking to someone not long ago. Um, I love these stories, man. I was asking, I was sitting with this family, and we were talking about God, and God listening to our prayers, and God knowing our needs and and one of the kids said oh yeah it's like I was praying about something the other night and then I go to school and at the assembly they were talking about what I was praying about yeah how awesome is that you ever had that happen when you're asking God for wisdom and direction and you go somewhere and someone starts preaching on it or someone starts talking about it or you get a scripture about it that's not coincidence that's God saying come along with me and let me let you hear this so you'll have courage to do what I'm asking you to do. Someone comes up to you later and says, oh, you did fantastic with this or that. Or you're incredible at worship. Or, or you, you're great at man sitting with people and talking. You got to understand that God knows what you need. He hears the heart cry. And he gives you what you need. Isn't our God great, man? And what did Gideon do? When Gideon heard the dream, and it's interpretation. He bowed down and worshiped. That's the first thing. Beloved, the work and the hand of God in our life should overwhelm us to a place of worship. You hear me? When we see the work and the hand of God moving in our life, we shouldn't just say, oh yeah, whatever. It should overwhelm us to a place of awe and worship of our God. And Gideon stopped right there and he worshiped. And then he said, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. And there was victory that night. Those 300 people, they surrounded the camp of the hundred twenty to 50,000 people that were there. They had their torches. They had their horns. They had their little pots they were going to break. And they blew the trumpets. And they cracked the pots. And they had the horns. And everyone in the, the Mennonite camp just panicked and feared, started fighting each other and fled. And they had victory. Triumph is God's plan. And you too, it might be an odd way in which God wants to bring victory, but he'll bring victory in life. He'll bring it to you if you trust him. If you allow him to do the transforming work that only he can do. So as we close this morning, our team can come on up if they want to get ready to, to finish up a song. I was 17 years old. God had called me to ministry when I was 15. I knew I was gonna be in ministry and I was asked to preach a sermon. I'd preached before, but I was asked to preach at my home church without, we didn't have a pastor. So I had to work on my own sermon. First time I'd ever did this on my own. And I worked on the sermon. It actually wasn't a very nice. It was a really strong word for our church. Gotta give me a bit of discernment about an issue in our church. And he had asked me to speak into it. I'm like, God, I'm 17. I don't want to do that. But I was trying to be obedient and faithful, and I get up that, that morning to preach, and I started calling David Daniel, and Daniel David, and I was, I was nervous, man. And I remember it was very early in the sermon, I remember, and I was standing there, and I, and I just stopped, and, and I didn't say this aloud, but in my heart I said, God, I am really messing this up. Can you just take over? And it was just like this moment of God saying, thank you, I got this. And the feeling I felt that moment, I can't explain. When you allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom using you the way He wants, it's amazing. And you'll hear me often when I, when I get up to preach, God, remove me, but use me. Because that's what I said that day when I was 17 years God, just remove me. I'm messing this up. And when I did that, the Holy Spirit took over and He did what only He could do. If I stand and I'll talk to you out of my strength, my wisdom, beloved, it's no value, it's no help probably will mess you up. But when I let the Holy Spirit use me and say what he wants to say, then there's power in that. There's transformation in that. I guess my invitation to you this morning starts with simply that. Just remove yourself and let the Holy Spirit minister to you right now. Whatever he wants to say to you, whatever he wants to do in your heart, just let him have his way. Just say, I'm really messing this up, God, in my life. I might just be messing life up right now. Can, I just, can you just get me out of the way and show me what to do? And if you need to come down and pray at the altar, if you need to come down and pray with our prayer team, whatever, if you need to just be where you are and sit and weep and talk to God, it doesn't matter. But be real. Because, beloved, the battle that we're facing, God has a plan. And it's one to transform you. It's one that you can trust. And it's one that you will find triumph in if you'll just walk with him. So, Jesus, we just give you this time this morning. And we just pray that like Gideon, we will find ourselves in worshiping you and all of you and letting you use us as you see fit. Help us if we struggle to believe. Help us to really know that there is victory coming because of you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen.